Welcome to The No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Today on The No, I have the great fortune of interviewing Cheryl Lal Gonzalez. Cheryl is a mother of two, a wife, and an entrepreneur and small business owner living in Miami, Florida. She is the co-founder and owner of State of Kid in the Miami Design District, which offers classes for expecting parents up to kids age five. Plus, they have a curated collection of clothing, decor, and gifts from the very best, most stylish brands for littles. It's a beautiful place that I personally love to bring my own kids to, and I'm excited to chat with Cheryl today about her journey. Her tenacity and creativity inspire me, and I feel like she brings a really positive perspective to the idea of doing the work, to live in your truth, and to ultimately fulfill your inner knowing. So let's get started. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so Hi, much Nick. for coming on the show today. Of course. I'm so excited to be a guest. You're, you're most welcome. Thanks for being here. And I feel like this has been a long time coming because I've admired you for so long and everything that you're doing. You opened your business, State of Kid, under two years ago. So not even two years old. You opened just six months shy of the pandemic and you're, you're surviving and even thriving, <laughs> um, which is amazing. So congratulations. Thank you. I mean, it's been... A long road. And, you know, so we opened in September of 2019 and things were going well. And, and, you know, we were really just starting to pick up steam starting in like, you know, February, March, and then mid March, we had to shut down for three months. And like, since then, it feels like we've lived nine lives. We've thrown so much stuff at the wall to like, see what sticks just to like stay afloat. And it feels like we're finally coming out on the other side. So it feels really good to be over the hump. Miami's been pretty open as compared to a lot of other places, but I felt really good about the fact that we were able to offer, you know, a safe, clean space that parents felt comfortable bringing their kids to. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were all home stuck with our kids. It was torture, you know, like we were, we were, everyone was like losing their minds. And when final, when finally, when people were started, started to be able to, you know, come to classes, when things started to open a little bit, which was, you know, last June, July in Miami, at least, um, I think parents really felt grateful that they had a safe place that they could bring their kids. Absolutely. It's a, it was really, really difficult, especially when you have, like you serve this demographic of, of really young kids and it's hard. It's, it's a transition for parents, right. To into parenthood. And, and it's just a lot to keep your little kids home with nothing to do and nowhere to go. Um, And I think all over the country and the world really felt that and, and felt it hard. And it's like, what do you do with your kids during this time? I think there were a lot of times like in those for in those months that we were closed that we didn't know what was going to happen. Like we didn't know when things were going to open up again. We we all thought it was going to be, you know, two weeks and we were going to open up again. And then it went longer and longer, you know, and I can't imagine, you know, there are some places like in Los Angeles, for example, their public schools just reopened. Yeah, it's been so hard, so much harder, I think, for other communities where, you know, they didn't open up as quickly as Miami did. And I, I mean, in some senses, like don't want to get political, but in some senses, I feel grateful that we were in Miami where we could at least be outside and think some things were open. Um, I think it's important that we you do it in a responsible way. Right. But, you know, some of these other places were really shut down for a long time. And I, you know, from a parenting perspective, I can't imagine how hard that must have been for a lot of other people. In addition to being a business owner, you are also a mother and a spouse, yes. right? So this is a huge yes. part of the whole thing. And I totally. know that the balance of all of it can be really, really tricky. And so... As you know, my podcast is called The No, 
And it's about talking to women who have stepped into their own personal knowing, their own sense of knowing. And so we're going to go over more in depth of how you discovered your own personal know and how you went after it. Um, but the th these things don't happen overnight. Like state of kid didn't come to be overnight. Um, you know, so we, we I want to talk through that with you and how you came to this point. So let's go back in time a little bit to start. We met when um, we were living out in Los Angeles through mutual close friends. And um, then I didn't see you for years um, until <laughs> you and your family moved to Miami and we reconnected. And before we connected mostly in like social settings, totally. like we never had like an, an, a really deep friendship. It was, we were acquaintances and we were friendly and we, we saw each other out from time right. to time because of our friends. But when we reconnected here in Miami, we connected as mom friends. It's totally different. <laughs> it's a totally different thing. And I, um, I really, really needed a mom friend at that time. I think parents don't really realize, especially mothers or whoever is like doing most of the child rearing in the early, early years, the importance of having your mom network because totally. your life changes so drastically, right? And it's really hard to relate to the outside world when you're in your early postpartum days and just having somebody to connect with who's been through it before is just is so helpful. And so I was grateful to reconnect with you and I just remember that time in my life when, when I realized that you had moved down to Miami, I, I was feeling lonelier than I realized. Um, and so I had a hard time with postpartum anxiety. And when my, when our good friend told us, told us that we should connect, um, I think it was, it was just such a, like a light for me. I was like, Oh my gosh, here's somebody I can relate to and feel connected with. And I hadn't, and it was amazing because you lived in my neighborhood. We live in like adjacent neighborhoods, which is, is so awesome. And we both have young children. And it was really such a blessing that we were able to like work through and talk through some of those highs and lows that come with parenthood and womanhood even. So I think that that's something that's important to you with your business, right? Like the, the highs and the lows of parenthood. As much as you are in the business of offering amazing and fun and educational classes for little ones, you're also here for parents. It's actually one of your business mantras. Absolutely. So, I mean, so the name of the business is State of Kid. And, you know, my business partner, Alana, when we were thinking through like, what is our guiding light, right? Like what is our guiding principle of like what we're trying to do is helping parents, whatever state you're in. And whether it was prenatal yoga classes or parenting classes, CPR classes for people that were expecting new moms. We have mommy and me classes and everything from cooking and dance, yoga, science for, you know, toddlers and preschoolers. We really are trying to help parents, whatever state you're in. Parenting is hard. And to your point, you really need to find your tribe kind of as corny as that sounds, right? And I think we, what we've done is really created a community of people that can lean on each other, right? I think we, we've had a lot of parents who have met and become friends outside of our space. And we are really trying to help parents navigate the highs and lows and the difficulties and challenges that come along with parenthood, whether it's someone coming to one of our parent classes, parenting classes, trying to figure out how to deal with their child's tantrums or giving a parent 45 minutes to go get a coffee and like have a mental break while their kids are in like a drop-off dance class, you know, whatever it might be it's our goal to, you know, help, help parents. And like that also applies to our retail while it's not as deep, let's call it. You know, parents need a place to buy clothing, accessories, whatever it might be like gifts. And we create, we created a space that was just like a very 
curated selection of the most sought after products. And we felt like that just made parents' lives a little bit easier. You can come in, take a look. It's not like this huge throw up of every brand and every style. It's like a very limited selection, but of like all great products. So, you know, whatever you pick, you can't go wrong. Um, so we felt like there was such a white space in Miami for both these concepts, the retail component, as well as the enrichment component. And Alana and I met through our husbands and we both came from very like corporate careers. Me on kind of like the finance sales operation side and her on the marketing communication side. And when we talked, we both knew that we wanted to start something of our own. And it was just a matter of like, what, what is it going to be? And we both had young kids and it just felt very natural. We both wanted to bring our kids to enrichment, but we couldn't find a good place to go. And then once we found a place, you would have to go from like one place for music and another place for dance and another place, you know, right. for whatever else it might be. And like, we wanted to just create one space, a one-stop shop and parents could come for everything. Did you feel like, like something was missing in the Miami market for, in the, in this, in this genre? A hundred percent. You know, I think on the retail side, you have like your baby Gap and your Zara. And then on the high end side, you have, you know, your baby Gucci. And there wasn't anything in between. For some of these like independent labels from Australia or from Europe, um, even some some other uh, brands in the U.S., there wasn't a place to go physically shop for those things in Miami. And there's a huge market for it. You know, Miami is in our neighborhood and on Miami Beach, like all these all these neighborhoods have so many young families with a lot of parents who are looking for these types of things. And there was nowhere to go to make those purchases. And while a lot of people do shop online, I think still there are a lot of people that want to go in person. They want to see, they want to touch and feel, they want to look at the size, like they want to hold it up to their kid, whatever it might be. I think they're, you know, brick and mortar retail is not dead. as A lot of people like to say, and, you know, from an enrichment perspective, um, it really like, you know, you have like Jimbery, and you have some classes, you know, kind of spread out, but there was nothing under one roof that offered a lot of different types of classes. Well, it sounds like the the key here is like the helping parents out whatever state you're in. I mean, that's like the biggest thing I think that sets your company apart, your business apart from others in the industry. And like mad respect to like Jimboree for paving the way, right? Like uh, totally, hundred percent. Those were around when I was a kid. Like I remember my mom telling me she took me, you know, <laughs> to those to those classes and it's amazing. And, but you've taken something and you've um, evolved it a little bit and, or a lot, and you've given it not, I don't want to say like a one-stop shop, but really like a place to serve parents and kids, not, not one or the other, but both. And just like to your point that people still do enjoy going out and shopping. And I think for, especially for new moms with like everything that's going on in this huge life adjustment, it is important to get out of the house. I remember- being a new mom, I felt like you couldn't pay me to leave the house. I'm like, I had so much anxiety. It was so much work to leave the house. But every time I did leave the house, it was it was so worth it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the real world now. Like, thank you so much. I went out. Like, whoever invited me or whoever forced me to go, I was like, okay, this is, okay, this is worth it. It was a mission, but it was worth it. Totally. And you know, I think that's part of, like, what was so difficult about the shutdown was that now, like, I, like for me personally, let me speak personally. I had my second son in December before the shutdown. And then like, so I went through my three like postpartum months, right? Just and crazy, then, yeah. March. So I was like ready to come out of my, my show <laughs> and everything shut down. And I was like, no. When you have your second kid, you're like, okay, this is kind of the drill. Like you can't, there's no way to predict what your hormones are going to do for you. 
and every pregnancy and postpartum experience is has the potential to be different. But I personally remember feeling like I was so ready to come out into the world and then there was nothing nothing to do. You know, I the first time around, I was terrified to go to classes. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to like like I was so regimented about the baby schedule. And then yeah. You know, I remember vividly being pregnant with my second son and this was even before so I went to your grand opening when I was pregnant. I remember, yeah. I swear, I get all my baby books and parenting tips from you. I like, <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's a wonderful It is so valuable to have your mom crew. Um, and I feel like State of Kid really, really is doing a great job of connecting little ones and connecting parents. And so oh, thank you. my next question, I want to know how the, like, the idea came to be, you know, you touched a little bit on how it came to be, but like, what made you say this, this is what I wanted to do? Because you could have had a business partner in Alana or or anybody really that you could have done something else. Like, but what made you say, this is it. This is, I know, right. I know this is it. So in like my, you know, previous life before state of kid, I had worked in like the children's consumer products and children's wellness space. So I was doing, you know, sales and operations at Frida, um, formerly Frida Baby, um, the big children's wellness brand. And then um, after moving to Switzerland for my husband's job, I was working at a children's e-commerce startup in Europe. And so I had kind of been immersed in this world for several years. And I guess, you know, more related to the Frida side, I really connected with the ability to help parents. Like I felt really good about creating products and commercializing these things that really helped parents. And so when we moved back from Switzerland, which was in early 2018, I was pregnant with my second child. And I knew I wasn't like going to jump into some like new corporate job. I really wanted to be mindful and thoughtful about what my next step was because I was going to have two kids. Like what, what did I, what was my next step? And, and entrepreneurship was something that was right. always in my plan, right? I, I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be okay. When I moved back from being abroad and after having my second kid, I definitely want to start my own thing. It kind of like happened organically and it felt really natural, you know, when state of kid, like when the idea started flowing about, okay, something in the kid space, something in the parent space, the idea that we were really helping parents made it like it really solidified it for me. And I, you know, I think after becoming a parent, and like, I'm sure you can speak to this as well, you lose a lot of ego, right? Before I had like, these important positions, right? I had like, these important positions in these, you know, more corporate roles or in these cool startup companies. And like, I was doing something so cool and sexy. And then when it came to starting your own business, it was like, okay, this is going to be really hard. I have two kids now. I was like renovating. I was yeah. in the middle of renovating my house. Like I had a million things going on, but yeah, I was I like, remember. this is, yeah, I was like, it was insane. Um, but I felt really strongly about, okay, this is something that is important. Like this is something that I know is like important to any community and something that Miami really needs. Um, and it, even though like the timing didn't feel right, right. Like I had like a lot of different things going on in my life. Um, I knew that it was something that I really wanted to pursue. That's amazing, Cheryl. I mean, honestly, like, you know, it's, it's wonderful when things come together. And like you said, there's not always the perfect timing for it. Um, and 
you know, it's it's funny that you said that. Like you had a glamorous job, like not maybe not glamorous, but you had the the, the it was like big a sexy job. job. Right? It was like exactly. It was right. like a big job. It was a cool job. Like I had a ton of responsibility. It was like, and you know, and to move from that to that to like being an entrepreneur, where you're like literally you're paying every bill. Yeah, it's scary. Like you're paying every bill. You're doing every everything from taking out the trash at night to like you know having these like investor calls. You're doing it all, and it's really different than like being super senior at like, you know, a, a big startup or whatever it is. Personally, I can totally relate to that. And, you know, people like you in my life have really inspired me to take this step in my own career, right? Like I'm kind of like following a, a similar trajectory. And before, you know, before I, I start became a mother and started this podcast, I was a teacher. Okay. But even before that, I was an, an art dealer. Like talk about a sexy job. Like that was, you know, I, I was when people ask, oh, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm an art dealer. <laughs> you know, I felt like I had a great sense of pride in that, and it was a wonderful job. You know, and I and I do a little bit of work still with the art gallery, and I love doing that just because I love art and I love connecting with people and I love connecting people with wonderful art that they love. Um, but I can totally relate to that. And where now I'm starting my, my this business, the no, where I'm like, okay, I don't even know, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know that I have to talk to other women because we are going to help other women step into their own personal knowing by sharing our stories. Right. So I, you know, I can totally relate to that. And I think you serve as a huge inspiration to me personally. And I feel like your story is just going to continue to help other people. But well, I want thank you. you. And you're so inspiring to me. I mean, like, on, like, I know this is, I'm sure it's scary and I'm, it's like totally brand new to you and you've never been in this space before, but like kudos to you to like stepping into your know and like doing this. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to talk about Switzerland. When you were in Switzerland, like what was that like? You up and left. I think your your um, older son was a baby. Right? Yeah, he was seven months old. Um, it was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was amazing and hard and scary. Switzerland was amazing, right? Like at the at the end of the day, like nothing but good things to say about it. But they they talk about this like expat curve when you move abroad, and like we were moving to Switzerland, which was like very much a first world country had like every everything that we might ever need like it's not like it was such a culture shock but you know the first the first phase you go through is the honeymoon sure. it's like oh wow this is like so exotic and different and like we see the mountains like you know compared to Miami where it's like completely flat and there's no like you know right, it's countryside flat. it's it's you know you're in the mountains of Switzerland and you there's skiing and like incredible things to do an hour away, you can get to France in, in a very short amount of time, get to Germany in a short amount of time. Like it's amazing. You're in the middle of Europe. So you're in this honeymoon phase and then you get depressed because you're like, wait, where are all my friends? Where are my family? Everyone is so far away. I'm lonely. I have a very young child at home. We moved in the middle of winter. So it was like freezing. I was stuck inside an apartment with my son, you know, like before we moved into like our permanent like living situation. And then I ended up loving it. Like I, I, it took time and like, I ended up finding a job there, which is I think pretty unusual for expats. Something kind of like very organically fell into my lap. Um, and it, I think something that that experience taught me is that I can, anyone is capable of finding happiness anywhere. It's like we as, as humans are so adaptable we're so resilient. Like you get thrown into a new situation and you can either choose to like be upset about it or you can step into it with like mm -hmm. open arms and embrace it. And like, that's what I ended up doing. I will certainly say that it was not a walk in the park, especially at the very beginning. Like, you know, my husband traveled a ton when we were there, like he was gone, you know, 60 to 70% of every week. Like 
it was me and Ryan like against the world for for a lot of it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it just taught me how strong I am, how I can build a happy life anywhere. And all I need is my family, my loved ones like surrounding me. And like, we ended up making amazing friends. We traveled all over Europe with like our, you know, our little son and it, it ended up being amazing. But um, definitely there were hard parts about it. There were challenges, but like I would not give up that experience for anything. Um, and like it given the chance to move abroad again, like I wouldn't turn it down because I think it was just like such an amazing like family bonding experience. It was incredible. So you and your husband met at University of Chicago. Um, And I have a couple of friends who graduated from Chicago. And I feel like everyone I know um, who went there has only the very best things (laughs) to say about it, which is no surprise because it's the University of Chicago. So (laughs) I mean, um, but what were your college years like for you um, both at Chicago and Georgetown and which you graduated, graduated cum laude? Georgetown was great. Like DC is such a great city. Um, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and wanted to stay like close enough to home that I could get home when I wanted pretty easily, but far enough away that my parents couldn't visit me every weekend. Um, so Georgetown was like the perfect, it was like the, it's a perfect size city. It's like very easy to navigate. It's not like a huge, like a Los Angeles. Um, and it, I made amazing friends, got a great education. Um, when it comes to, I feel like a more personally transformative experience. I would say Chicago was more of that for me than than college, which I think might sound weird to some people because I feel like everyone's like, oh, college, like the most important years, you know, like so formative. But I think, I feel like up until the University of Chicago, I was very much like letting life kind of like carry me along. Like I wasn't doing a lot to like pursue my own goals or like look inward to think about what do I really want? What do I really, really want to do? in like applying to business school and pursuing a career and like, you know, in a retail related field, I ended up doing retail management consulting after business school. But like, I was very, very like specific about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. What do I love? Like, what is my passion? And I was, I was doing like, I was working in an accounting firm first and then like an economic consulting firm doing something called transfer pricing, which is like as unglamorous as it sounds. And you know, I wasn't excited about it at all. I really like knew that I think business school was a push that I needed to like really change careers. When I was there, I think I gained a lot of, you know, professional confidence. Like I think growing up, I was, I was like on the shy side. I was always very, 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 very academically motivated, but never spoke up in class. Like I was like super reserved. If I had a public speaking thing to do in in high school, I would be like nervous for weeks about it, like that type of like anxiety. And I think, you know, going to business school and I surrounded by all of these amazing people really gave me the push to pursue my passion. Um, So that's why I say it was like more personally transformative for me. And I think that, you know, pursuing your passion professionally, that kind of like translates and bubbles over to every aspect of your life, right? If you're not happy at work, which is where you spend eight, 10, 12 hours of your day, then like that will have a ripple effect on your personal life right. and everything else. Chicago was amazing. Like have great friends from there. Chicago is an amazing city. Um, met my husband there, which is obviously an important detail. This is something that I like, I personally cannot relate to. Like I, I hear you and you like, you're telling me about your experiences in Georgetown and Chicago. Um, and it's, it's like amazing to me. Like, this is not something I can relate to because I, I mean, I tended 
an arts college, which has since been discredited <laughs> here in Miami. And then I transferred to a community college. And then I transferred to, uh, I graduated from FIU, which is a wonderful university, um, but it's also a commuter, a commuter school in my hometown. And so I didn't like really get a college experience, like the college experience. I was working three jobs while I was in college. And so it was very much like, it was almost, it was like a, like my side deal. Like I knew that I had, like, I was going to go to school because that's what yeah. I was supposed to do. Yeah. But I never really, I was just, I was constantly like working, 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 like all through like what my teenage years and, and all throughout college. And so I never really got like, I was passionate about so many things like growing up that I didn't think I could make careers out of or a career out of. And so going to college was just like a side thing that you, I was supposed to do. I honestly did not think too much about it, but here you are, you went to two top tier schools. Like, did you always envision yourself there? I was a really good student. I did well academically, but like, I felt like I was very like, kind of like a lost soul. Like I applied to 13 schools, which is absurd. <laughs> like no, you know who, nobody applies to 13 schools anymore. Like I spent a crazy amount of time in my applications. I like kind of like slapdash, like, okay, these are a bunch of like top schools. And I like didn't really do a ton of research. Like looking back, I, I'm like, what were you doing? You know, like I had some guidance counselor help, but like I really felt lost. And I was like, okay, similar to you though, it's, I felt like I was supposed to do it. And like, okay, these are top schools. I feel like I'm supposed to apply to these top schools because I did well in, you know, in high school. And so I'm applying to them. But then when I ended up, like what I ended up picking from, I feel like, I mean, yes, I had a great experience at Georgetown, but like, I think I could have had a great experience everywhere. It wasn't such a pointed, like, oh, I'm going to end up at Georgetown. It was not such a thoughtful decision. I'll put it that way, you know? And like, that's kind of what I mean when I say like, I was kind of letting life like push me along a little bit for a while. I was kind of like going with the current. Okay. This seems right. like it, this seems like it makes sense. Okay. I'm going to go with this. And like, that's kind of what happened with, you know, professionally after college, like, oh, everyone else is applying for jobs in the business school. And even though I wasn't in the business school, I had a lot of friends in the business school. I was like, oh, I guess I should be applying for jobs. And so I ended up like in this role like that I had no idea what was in store for me after college. Georgetown, I would say was not, I, I definitely like did not always envision myself at Georgetown, but Chicago was very much like a, you know, I applied to like a very limited number of business schools and was very specific about what I was looking for. And I think that could just comes with like maturity and age too. There were, there are some people certainly are, are very pointed in where they want to be from a very young age. I think my philosophy was very much like put your head down and work hard because that's what you're supposed to do. You kind of like follow, follow the path of what you think you're supposed to be doing. And it wasn't until really I was, you know, more in my mid twenties that I became like a lot more thoughtful about like what I wanted. Um, and it just, I think it just, you know, came with age and, and understanding like things aren't just going to happen for me. You know, like if I want to do something that I'm passionate about, I have to like take the bull by the horns and make it happen. Well, I think a lot of people feel that way, right? Like we go through life under these societal expectations. And so like when you talk about like life carrying you along, like I think about even my working experience, like that's what I knew that I was supposed to do. I was just mm -hmm. supposed to work. Like I yeah. was supposed to work, 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 work. Yeah. Like in my world, like school was secondary and like providing for myself was the, was first, you know, right. like if I could get a job right out of high school, that would have paid me, like that would have been the priority. Right. And I think a lot of people just feel that way that they're just being carried along. And I think that our societal expectations are, are really big at play here because we are just like, we, we go on to the next thing. Like, right. We have these expectations of like, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go with it. We, we decide what we're going to study it when we're in our early twenties, yeah. like teens still. 
Like that's not, we don't know what we want. Like, I don't, I didn't know what I wanted. Like I've changed seven times since then, you know? And then I think like this really contributes to unhappiness in general. I think when you don't allow yourself to change and evolve, right? Like we feel like obligated to continue down a path that might no longer serve us, or we don't feel like, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to stay in it, but I'm really not happy. So I'm, and I'm a little confused about it. So I'm not really going to shift because I'm not supposed to shift when, when that's not life, like we are constantly evolving. And so like, I remember once when I was a teacher, I had a good friend and he, he always said to me, I would ask him, what's, what's next for you after teaching? Or do you see yourself as a lifelong teacher? And he's like, no, I see my career in, um, 10 year brackets. This is one pocket of my life. This is what I'm doing from 20 to 30. This is what I want to be doing from 30 to 40. This is what I want to be doing from 40 to 50. You know, and you set yourself up for that way and allowing yourself to change and evolve. And it sounds like that's what you did. Um, you really came into your own in your experience in Chicago. And then like, I think about like just what I know about your life and like moving around the world and then coming back here and saying, taking the leap of faith and starting um, state of kid, you've allowed yourself to do that. You know, and you're setting an, an amazing example for other women and also like men of women like you, right? <laughs> men, I think this is super important because I think as we start as, as, as people, as we start to break the barriers of societal expectations, um, gender roles in the, in the home and the workforce, like women now are going after more and more of their dreams and starting businesses and being powerful and in a family dynamic in which you have two parents in the home, it takes a strong spouse to say like, okay we're going to balance this and we're going to be equal in, in this way. And in parenting, you see more and more men becoming more and more involved in mm-hmm. parenting um, and more women stepping into the workforce and you see same sex homes, you know, marriages, you know, yeah. and there's like, we're breaking, we're breaking barriers left and right. And so it's really inspiring to see you doing this. And also to know that like, women, especially when we stick together, right. That we can, we can do anything. And that's a testament also to your, your business partnership with, with Alana, two women coming together and making something amazing happen. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, to your point about like gender norms and like stereotypes and things like that, like I, you know, I couldn't do any of this without my husband. Like he has been our biggest supporter, like he is, you know, very successful in his own right, is actually starting his own entrepreneurship journey, which is scary and exciting for both of us. He has been, you know, such a help and like never once, never once complaining and always like offering to do more and help more because he knows that this, my business and this journey is so important to me. So I feel lucky in having like that support network at home. That's amazing. Why is it important for you to work? Like, is, do you feel like working is part of your identity? This is like a doozy of a question. So I love to work for a long time. And I'm like, just coming out of this now through like therapy and other things. But I tied me working and being successful at work to my own self-worth. And like, I'm sure I feel like you could probably identify with that. It was who I was. If I wasn't being successful, that meant like I was worth less. Like if I wasn't, you know, doing exactly what I wanted to be doing, it meant I was worth less. And I think like having to really separate those things and saying, okay, I am worthy as a person, right? Because I'm a good person, et cetera, et cetera. Like I am, I am worthy. I am, I am good. And then it's separate is I also like to work and that's like another facet of my personality and that's another part of my identity, but that's not, that doesn't make me who I am, you know, and it doesn't make me worth less or more if I'm doing better or worse at work. I can totally 
relate to that. And I think a lot of people can like mm-hmm. you ask a lot of parents, what do you want for your kids? Oh, I just want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of parents say that I just want my kids to be happy. Totally. Okay. Well, what does that mean? What is happy? Yeah. Is it being secure in yourself? Yeah. I think a lot of people mean, I want them to be safe and taken care of. Right. Like, and when we say safe, even I want them to be provided for, I want them to live in a, in a beautiful house. I want to give my kids more than what I have. Of right. Yeah. A lot of parents, I just want to be able to provide for my kids and give them a life that I didn't have, which is a, a wonderful thing, right? I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. I think, of course, I want to give my, my children a better life than I have. And it's not to say one way is better than the other, but it's something that I think parents, we need to think about. Like what were the, the ideas of self-worth that we're feeding our children from the time that they're born and what we want for them. What is happiness? What is self-worth? Is it how yeah. much money you make? Is it what kind of car you drive? Is it yeah. where, where is the neighborhood you live in? Because we can have, you can find joy and it goes back to your experience in Switzerland even. Yeah, you can absolutely. Make, you can make your joy wherever you are. And, and this comes down to the whole thing of like, does money buy happiness? Well, money can buy you comfort and safety and, you know. Right, there's like basic necessities, right? That you have to cover, right? And then beyond that, like, I think, I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? And and I will obviously be listening to this one <laughs> um, when it comes out. But no matter what level of like fame or wealth you achieve, like any any of these like famous and wealthy people will tell you like money is not the end all be all. Like what I Daniel, my husband, he's like an incredible incredibly hard worker, right? And there have been mm-hmm. times like in his professional career that have necessitated him working a ton and like you know, he does what he needs to provide for our family. But what I, what I've said to him before is on your deathbed or on anyone's deathbed, no one says, I wish I would have worked harder. They say, I wish I had spent more time with friends and family, right? Like that's, it's going to be unanimous. Like that is not something that's up for debate at times where I've like had to choose sometimes between like, okay, is it going to be putting my kids to bed tonight? Or is it going to be finishing something that maybe isn't like might be urgent but I can like get to later on okay I'll I'm gonna get to it later on because like these moments with like my children or my family like I'm gonna prioritize that because I know for my own happiness that is what's more important I think that the pandemic has done a service to many people in revealing that because we are home and we are working from home and we're spending a lot more time with, with our children or with our relatives when possible, you know, when it's possible to do it safely. And I think people are starting to realize that like their time with their family and loved ones is, is what is important, you know? And I think that if anything good came out of the pandemic, I think that's one good thing that might have come from it, you know, a collective shift of boundaries between your work life and your home life. And what the priorities are. So I know that personally, like my, I mean, my family is grateful for that. You know, we look back on, on the pandemic and we're, we're, we say, wow, those beginning months, those first few months, we've never, and you know, my, in my husband's line of work in, in sports, like we never get that kind of time together. <laughs> never. Like, right. you know, like when we're home together, it's like, it's prized time. Um, but we had months together. And it was, <laughs> so you were it was, like, ah, what do we, what do we do? Right. You know, and it was, it was, it was actually hard at first because you're like, wait a second. Like this is my, I was like, this is my domain. Like I run the show here. Um, but it, it was hard. Awesome. It was a change. It was like a complete shift for everybody. Right. But it was awesome to be able to come to, into this space together. And I think it really changed our concept of family when we were new parents, you know, we were new parents. So it changed our 
concept of family. And I think it, it actually like did, I think the pandemic did a service to our family. You know, I want to close with a question. I want your advice. You've gone after your no, right? Like your inner knowing you've gone after it. I'm stepping into a space where I'm going after mine. What piece of advice would you want to give other women who are still searching for their inner knowing? Uh, I would say don't wait to look inwards. For me, life pushed me along for a long time. And I it took me really pausing and reevaluating what is it that I want? What is my passion? And there's never going to be a good time to like look inwards and evaluate. Like it may be uncomfortable. <laughs> it may be hard. It's not going to be like some light pop, light bulb pops off in, in one second. It's going to take time. And I think waiting to do that will only push off pursuing whatever it is that you want to do. Um, whether it's becoming a mom or starting your own business or starting your own podcast, whatever it is, there's no time like the present. Cheryl, that's amazing. That's such good advice. Like, don't wait to look inward. These are the notes I'm taking. Don't wait to look inwards. Look inward now. Don't be scared to reevaluate your life and ask yourself the difficult questions. It's never going to be the right time. That really sticks with me because I, I really do think about that. Like the things that we want to put off, right? because they're difficult or scary or hard, Mm. you know, like there's, it's never going to like, it's not going to get easier. And if anything, fear is doing pushups while you wait, (laughs) it's only getting stronger, right? The fear is that I'm okay. Like you're waiting and I'm just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It's like the longer you wait to pull the bandage off, like the bigger your fear is going to build up, like until you actually tackle it and go through it. The only way through is through, right? Yep. Absolutely. I love this advice and I'm, I love you and I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Love you too. I think this is so valuable and I think that you're an inspiration to so many people and I can't wait to see where this goes and, and, and how wonderfully you can serve the Miami community and beyond of parents and, and children. I I think it's amazing. So thank you you so much. much. Thank you for having me. Love you. I'm proud of you for doing this (laughs) and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Know. I hope you'll join me again soon. If you loved my podcast, it would mean the world to me if you left a review. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo. And be sure to check out my website, NikkiSpo.com.